sabe. Suena el bombo. Ando tumbado que el ritmo lo pongo yo. Pops and the Rips. Pops and Pops on the Rican Show, and uh, if, I'm, if I'm not mistaken, <laughs> I'm, I'm Pops. And I'm the Rican. And, uh, and that means this is the Pops, Pops on the, the Rican Show. Show. Put it together. Yeah. Put it together. <laughs> so uh, today, uh, we are joined by the uh, the voodoo uh, <laughs> of, the man. Of, of technology. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> nah. It's some, I don't know. Through the interwebs, they got a little, like, I don't know if it's a seance they had or whatever, but now all of a sudden we've got the, the, the spirit, the, the embodiment, the, the likeness of the world famous uh, Joel Byers. Joel Byers. Hey, we out here. Yeah, so, what's going on, man? Okay, thanks got, for having me, guys. No, that's all right. No, you got to go. No, you got to go. how he does it? No, you got to go. Hot bread. <laughs> That's what you gotta do. Yeah, you gotta do like Snagglefuss, yeah, right? Yeah, like Snagglefuss. Yeah. But he always does that. He always does that <laughs> thing. <laughs> right. Oh, is so that the end of it? Yes. Okay. First, well. you gotta inhale uh, hot breath, right? Oh, yeah. Right. yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I, was know just trying, I was just trying to make him feel at home. Joel, so, bye. What's up, man? So. Great to have you on the show. I'm excited. Yeah, man. So, uh, we probably should do a little bit more of a because there may be like two people in the whole universe that have not heard of Joel Byers. But Joel <laughs> is uh, he is a, a comedian out of uh, out of the great state, the, the godly state of Georgia. Mm-hmm. And uh, Joel, I don't know if you know this, but uh, you know I, I lived in, for a long time. I lived in Savannah, so oh yeah. And I still have I still have family in, in Georgia. My mom and dad, and my brother still live out there. That's like in the middle of nowhere. So so we're kind of like we're kind of like uh, we're kind of like cousins. That's like the equivalent know? of saying, "Hey, I got a I got a Puerto Rican friend too." You know, I also got a black friend. Yeah, I'm, uh, yeah, I'm from Georgia too as well, bro. So we all know each other. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> right. Savannah's so, a great uh, town, though. So Joel's a comic that is based in Atlanta, but he also is uh, the the host and uh, personality behind Hot Breath, yeah. the podcast, yeah. the uh, the the uh, the aura that everybody knows as the end you, all be all of uh, com- comedy podcasts. Comedy mastery. That's what I love about it. And, uh, it's like there's so much, man. So, it's so dope. Yeah, so I appreciate I, it, man. I highly recommend uh, all our listeners to go ahead and jump on. Uh, your podcast. I'm telling you, man, there's so much gold there. It's ridiculous. Yeah, if you're looking yeah. to get some, uh, if you're looking to get some education on the business of stand up and all that, go ahead and uh, and subscribe to Hot Breath yep. and go back through all of those and listen to all of the back uh, cases. Uh, they're not cases, are they? <laughs> yes. I thought it was in court again. Uh, anyway, those are episodes. Yeah, episodes. Yes. That's what he is. Yeah. Uh, yeah. VHS tapes and, yeah. and uh, watch them, and it's like a master's class in uh, in I'm comedy. You, yep. And then uh, after you do that, 
uh, you know, you can come back and listen to us and you go, well, hey, uh, at you least. You need to work on your. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. those, guys, those guys know somebody that knows right. how to talk about comedy, right. at least, right. which is always nice. But, so. but uh, not only do you host the Hot Breath podcast, you also um, run classes, don't you, over there in Atlanta? Yeah, in Atlanta, yeah, I do classes in person. I've also done online stuff with comics and I've helped even people like with their speeches they have at corporate events and things. So there's an application to comedy that's beyond just like the stage is what I'm starting to really dive into a little bit more and just trying to help people who aren't necessarily comedians, but kind of empowering them with like comedy skills, which I think everyone should at least try comedy for yeah. sure. Yeah, 100%. but it's that's why it was all my uh, the whole podcast. You know, it's like you said, it's all just comedy education because what I'm finding also is that it's not just comedians that listen to it, but actual just hardcore comedy fans that want to hear like the behind the scenes and kind of learn how the sausage is made. So there's there's a boom in comedy happening, and people are more curious about it than ever, and it just so happens that like this podcast kind of just started to coincide with like this comedy boom happening. And now it's, you know, almost 200 episodes now. So congratulations on that. I appreciate that. Yeah. That's some work right there, man. That's some work. What I like, dude, I I trust, I know with the editing and all that. (laughs) Um, But so with the work that you do there, what I liked about your um, podcast, not only is it audio, but it's also video and you can actually, you had some, uh, some episodes where you were behind the scenes and checking out all these comedians that actually came off stage and they were like right in right like you're in the middle in the midst of of the grind and Mm -hmm. that's something that is very rare uh to see and so i think that's that's pretty unique as well because you're seeing exactly what's happening like those type five minutes that you do as well where you're you're like talking about um, writing and, and what to look forward to like you're in the car really just like this is real life and that is something that we uh, we want to bring out too as well and as far as the attention to everybody else and saying this is the life of what you're trying to get into and what you're going for and sometimes you're gonna have to grind a little bit more than what it's not it's not that easy it's not just like a, an easy walk in a park so it's like it's good to see both the successful comedians that have, that are in the game but also comedians that are that are just grinding just like everybody else. Oh, that's that's a good note, man. I'll I'll incorporate more of those. It's tough to know like what people like in terms of do they like the famous comics or do they just like the people out on the grind open micers as well. You know, I I feel like I have to say this uh, because uh, after Steve just just went through that whole uh, <laughs> montage of. of uh, blowing up your shirt. Oh, <laughs> uh, he really, he really likes the fact that you get behind the scenes. But really, what he wants to do is he, he kind of wants to uh, be able to come into your house while you're sleeping. This and, guy and just kind of watch you sleep. No, That's because no, Steve's Steve's been no. a supporter since day one. Man, he's he's one of the first people. It's cool. Steve kind of started. Like this snowball effect where like Steve was one of the first people to like reach out and really start to engage and be like, I like this episode because X, Y, and Z. Like he's, he was one of the first people to really connect with me and be like, I love what you're doing. Please don't stop. This is why I love it. Like, and since then, like I get people reach out to me almost every day 
from someone from Ireland just reached out to me. Like they just emailed me this morning, actually. So uh, someone, another comic told me like the show inspired him to start just doing comedy. So, but Steve, I got to give him credit. He was seriously like, that comes to mind. He may have been the first person who really reached out and was like, Hey, you don't know me, but this is awesome. Keep doing it. And we've just, we've been in touch ever since it's, it really kind of started that, that new connection with my audience. And I appreciate it. And see, well, come on, Dennis, come uh, on, man. I, I, I gotta tell you, I'm proud of the fact that he was able to uh, make a connection for you and your audience. Because uh, he has, he's not done any of that for me and my audience. <laughs> no, he, I don't know why. Because your audience can't hear, Dennis. They all have hearing aids. They can't. Hear. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyway, yeah, that's. Uh, so you guys have known each other for a long time. <laughs> like, hey, I'm gonna bust his chops just like the Rico. I'm just saying, bro. I'm just saying, man. It's, yeah, I appreciate it. It's all good. It's all good. So. Yo, let me ask you, uh, when you were, how long were you doing comedy before you decided, hey, I want to do a podcast about comedy? Um, the podcast, uh, it'll, it, in August, it'll be four years. So it, and it started out just as 10 comics from Atlanta were in the finals of Last Comic Standing. I was like, oh, this is cool for the, the comedy scene. Let me just interview them. And I recorded all those episodes, released those, and then kind of took a little break trying to think, okay, that was season one, now what's season two? But it ended up being just interview comics and learn from them. But it did all start with just, hey, let me create this time capsule of Atlanta comedy, and now it's just like Steve said, comedy mastery. So you uh, you kind of got started on on the podcast how has it had an impact in your comedy i mean we, we can talk with a lot of people who have listened to your podcast they've they've learned valuable lessons mm -hmm. but how is what impact has it had for you in your in your business well one i'm on here without the podcast we would not be um connected right now i wouldn't be coming up to gutties soon and right. uh no, was it november yeah Yep. Yeah, in November, okay. yeah. So, like, just something like that. I've gotten booked on several gigs just through the podcast and, like, several different comedy festivals through the podcast mm -hmm. and networking, which is crazy that out of all these episodes I've done, like, a number one common theme is, like, your network. Like, the people you meet are really the ones that are going to create the success. It's not your manager or your agent. That's true. It's your it's your friend that you were doing an open mic with 12 years ago that's now the writer on this TV show. Like, it's all about the people you know, and this podcast has given me kind of like a bridge to people I wouldn't normally know or have a connection and a relationship with. So it's in any, I, that's why I think you can leverage your own podcast, your show that we're doing right now to connect with comics that otherwise they may not even respond, but you're like, hey, I want to, have you on my show and you know comics are of course like well of course they do i'm i'm the chosen one of course right. let me come bestow my wisdom to you children right yeah i would say this about you you know you're talking about network mm -hmm. i say it all the time your network 
will determine your net worth. Mm-hmm. That was on. That was also on. Uh, uh, it's, it seems like it's 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 pretty much overall in every single comic that experiences it. Because I saw that that was the first time I heard that was on the uh, interview you had with Alton Walker. Mm-hmm. And he 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 shared that, and I was like, that was like what? Yeah. Because now that I'm opening up my own comedy club, all my buddies that I worked with before. I'm calling them up and they they're doing the show. So it's like there's so like you were saying, t- 10, 12 years later, you know, if you keep that network together, you can you eventually you know um, have opportunity. And yeah, so it's huge. And networking with like like-minded people as well in terms of surrounding yourself with people who want to be successful. Because in comedy, a lot of it is. Some people may just go for the hangout or they go just to get drunk or they don't really they don't really have professional aspirations beyond just hanging out in the bar on a Tuesday. So it's also networking with people who are also motivated and working towards something that you can work towards together. Oh. Yeah. So let me ask you this. Um, looking back at you said two hundred some million episodes that you've done. Uh, <laughs> He can't hear. Dennis can't hear. He can't, bro. <laughs> <laughs> when, when you look back at, at those episodes, uh, what do you think is the best piece of advice that you have gained from hosting the podcast? Uh, hmm. Oh, there's so much advice. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> I mean, I, I would say the networking piece because... Um, but I already said it. So I will say that uh, doing the work, uh, like all the successful people I've interviewed, none of it came by accident. Like no one just stumbled into an opportunity. They, they got opportunities because they were prepared or they had been working hard towards it. Mm-hmm. Some people, you know, it takes five years. Some people it takes 15 years to get whatever that break, 30 years even. But all the people I know along the way, even if it's five years, like um, Caleb Sinem, for instance, he booked Conan like f- less than five years into comedy. But in interviewing him, I learned that, oh, he's emailing bookers like every single day. And he's doing, he didn't just stumble into that. He's been actively seeking out that opportunity and he put in the work and it paid off. So there's no shortcut. People, especially in comedy are like what's the secret or how what's the what's the how do i get to the cut the corners but it's what i've mainly learned is it's all you got to put in the work you can't outsmart the work well and i think that uh, you know comes back to clear understanding that uh, show business mm-hmm. you got to do some business yep. you're going to be able to do the show exactly and it's two separate jobs I think Marshall Childs, the owner of the Laughing Skull here in Atlanta, that was his big quote. Was he was like, as a comedian, you have two jobs. It's the show and the business. And you've got to be good at both. So when you uh, when you look at where you are right now in in your comedy career, uh what are what are some goals, some dreams? What are some plans that you have uh, as you look down down the road a year or two or tomorrow? What what is it that Joel Byers 
wanting to do uh, to take himself to the next level? Yeah, um, from a podcast standpoint, I want to start getting the podcast more integrated into like festivals. So this year I made it my goal to get into three festivals with the podcast. Um, I've done two and I have a third one booked in September. So we did that. But I mean, I want to get it into like just for laughs and take it to the top and become like like Steve is saying, you know, like this comedy mastery platform that everyone is like gravitating towards. So on the podcast end, it's getting more integrated into festivals. Part of my five-year plan is to have Hot Breath at Just for Laughs within five years. And on my performance end, like my stand-up end, it is having my own tour where I'm headlining and also doing like a live podcast. So if I'm at a club for a weekend, maybe that Saturday afternoon, I'm doing a live interview or something within my weekend. So the podcast is always in tow but personally i want to be headlining my own tour within the next five years okay so now how was uh the comedy game show how was that experience that was that was very interesting oh it was so much fun yeah that one that one was something so many people had told me i need to be hosting a game show and then the opportunity just kind of popped up at laughing skull to host this game show that um they I mean I approached them with it but I knew they were looking for like different unique show formats so I did it and I've just I've loved it it, it exercises a different muscle cuz you're hosting and you're incorporating the audience more and you're playing games and it it's just another fun way to perform without just doing straight up stand up that's cool yeah and I could see that traveling I mean I could see that as a format that could yeah. expand beyond just like a single venue. Right. But I haven't, um, haven't given it much attention outside of that yet. So out of all of the interviews you've done, uh, <laughs> who's the biggest jerk? <laughs> who's the biggest jerk? <laughs> you know, there's, there's, besides, besides, besides the weekend. Besides, yeah. Besides the um, <laughs> You know, there's only really... Out of all the episodes, there's really only two experiences that come to mind that I was just like, really? Mm. And um, <laughs> the, f the first one was literally like one of the early ones. And it, he wasn't even a, a jerk. This, this just taught me that, you know, you're running a show here. People are taking time out of their busy days to yeah. be a part of this show, so make sure you set all the parameters up front, all the expectations. Hey, we're going to be doing this for 45 minutes. Uh, we, I don't really give people talking points that we'll be doing, I, other than it's just for, like, comedy game, you know? Mm -hmm. So the one that comes to mind was Rodman, in terms of he, uh, he had won Last Comic Standing the year before, and he's from Atlanta, so I interviewed him as well in addition to those 10 and what's great about that episode, that episode taught me a lot also because when I first reached out to his management, because you book people different ways. Sometimes it's social media, sometimes it's in person, sometimes I go through management, like it's all different ways. His management at first said no, and then I followed up after doing a few interviews. I kind of, I, I probably just reached out unprofessionally too. I was probably like, hey, I got a show for Rodman. And then I reached back out with like a press kit 
Here's okay. what I'm doing. Here's what the show is. Here's okay. who I've already interviewed. And then they said, yeah, of course. So we did a phone interview. And 30 minutes in, Rodman was just like, uh, how long did I allot this time? Uh, yeah. And I was like, it completely threw me off. And I was just like, oh, um, I don't know. I, and he's like, yeah, I think we good here. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> I don't so, know. Are tired of listening to this podcast. <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. Talking to you. <laughs> so it was a lot of good lessons and just you know to take take this time seriously, you know, and understand that this is a production. This is a guy who just won last comic standing. He's probably has a lot going on. He's probably done a lot of press. He just kind of did this as a favor to maybe even Atlanta comedy is how I framed it. And um, it's still probably that only moment where I was just like, oh, whoa. Okay, we're ending this because the guest wants to leave. Um, and the other one, um, Kurt Metzger, I sat in the lobby of his hotel for maybe two hours before he came down. And it, it turned out like, uh, he's like, okay, I'm on my, I let him know I was there. He's like, all right, I'm on the way down. And then, all right, give me 20 minutes. And then it, it literally, it was literally like two hours. And we ended up, we ran out of time. We we're going to do it in the lobby. We ran out of time. We had to go do it at the comedy club. So I wanted to get all the time I could. So I'm recording it on the way to the club. I'm driving them to the club, asking them questions. And that was probably the only one. Like the Rodman one wasn't really, it was more just me not being professional. But okay. that interview with Kurt, we got a lot of good stuff in the interview. But it was like, I'm sitting here two hours. But. You know, that's that's part of building and that's part of the grind. And Kurt even admitted, like, the first question I asked him, I was like, so are you just late to everything? Because he was late to, like, the shows even. Like, the feature would be in the middle of their set and we're like, there's still no headliner. Ooh, I don't wow. know. We were, I think they threw up guest spots on one show because he just wasn't there yet. But he did say he is, like, compulsively late and is... He said, like, my therapist calls it such and such. So, like, he was self-aware about it, but I was not aware about it until two hours later. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but right. you live and learn from those experiences, you know? Right. So, let's do the flip side of that. Mm -hmm. Who has been your your favorite interview you've been able to do? One, maybe, maybe one that you learned the most or you just enjoyed the most? Who, was, who do you think was your, your best interview so far? I mean, besides me. Of course. Oh, of course. Of course. Um, man, the best interview, I will say the interview that really told me, okay, you're on to something, was the Bo Burnham one. Wow. Because his people reached out to me. Like, I ran, a, I got an email one day asking. Um, saying Bo Burnham was going to be in town and asking if I would be open to him coming on the show. And I was like, wait, this isn't... I honestly didn't think it was real. Like, I thought it was like some spam. And I kind of did a feeler. Like, I just kind of responded. I don't remember what I said, but it wasn't, like, too committal. It was just making sure I didn't get a, a bot response back. Right. And they were serious. And I got... They, like, um, set up a private screening of his new movie that I got to go watch with a couple other um, media people. And then we did like a 45-minute interview. And that was the first time someone's reached out and like 
you have a great platform. Can our guests come on to it? So the fact someone like Bo Burnham was reaching out, I was like, okay, you're on to you're yeah. on to something here. That's tough. That that happens all the. Oh wait, no, it doesn't. Uh, I was gonna say, <laughs> not yet, not yet, not yet. Thank you, Steve. Jeez, you, jeez, Dennis over here, man. You got to keep him on track, Steve. Oh, I'm trying, bro. I'm you guys trying. are in business together. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> not yet, not yet, not yet, not yet. Mm-hmm. So, you got you had, I had something. Keep going. I think okay. it's, it's working. You're rubbing off me, man. This whole well. forgetful stuff and getting old. <laughs> you guys are adorable. <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't know what that means. Uh, he just said we were adorable. That's, that, that came That's off, what's up, bro. That came off a little creepy, but I'm okay with that. because uh, I haven't been called adorable in. Uh, oh, see, I've been married Aww. 22, uh, 23 years. Work that out. Anyway, uh, <laughs> let's let's take a look at Joel uh, on, on the comedy side of, of things, not the podcast thing. Yeah. Uh, let's talk a little bit about how you write and produce your comedy. What's what? Are, what are your? What's your writing style? Are you a, a pen and paper guy? Are you a, a computer tapping it? Are you talking on the phone and? Uh, Send yourself messages, type of guy. What's your system for writing comedy for Joel Byers? My system is definitely pen to paper. Uh, I create a set list before every single show. I do most of my writing like ahead of time. Uh, I still, over time, you know, I've been doing this almost ten years now, so I do find jokes on stage. But what I have found is that. If I write beforehand, then it helps me to find jokes on stage. If I just go up there and I'm like, oh, I'll figure it out, I, I, it, it's nothing. I end up just rambling and just trying to fill filibuster pretty much. Mm. So even if I'm writing and I don't get anything, it helps me on stage. It helps me to find things while I'm on stage. But I'm definitely a pen-to-paper guy. I've, that's how I started, and that's how I've just continued to be. So, do you have uh, do you have a crew? Do you have a uh, a friend or somebody that you bounce ideas off of, or are you kind of uh, a solo uh, where you just you write and then you go in to an open mic or someplace and and work your material out and come back and rewrite and do the editing on your own, or do you have a have a crew of uh, friends that you kind of bounce stuff off of? Well, what I've actually started here in Atlanta is a writing club where. We'll we'll meet up as comics and perform for five minutes and then give each other five minutes of like collective feedback, kind of like a writer's room. So that's been very helpful. And it took me a long time to be a little more extroverted in terms of bouncing jokes off of people. So this year is really my first year of being more proactive in working out material with other comics and just say, what do you think of this? And just spitballing that way. A lot of it is also though, recording my set and then listening to it afterwards and taking notes that way. I always, or almost always at least find a new idea by listening back on my set. It's, it's the worst 
listening to yourself, it's listening to it your hurts. sets. It's <laughs> yeah. And I think it hurts so much because we know it's so helpful. Like <laughs> it's one of those things where like, I don't want to. And you're like, it's literally like the most helpful thing you could do is listen to your set. So I would highly recommend any comics listening to this, have the discipline to record and listen back on your set. That's good. You got anything yet? Not yet, man. Okay. Oh you got anything yet? <laughs> Steve's just the eye candy of this Bro, show. I just, I'm just look. I just know if I don't ask. <laughs> we need we need viewers. Like, we need subscribers. So you know, I got because you can't, it can't just be Dennis. You know, hmm. people are like, nah, that's an old dude. We don't want to watch him. I just yeah, know man. if I don't give him a chance to ask something, then you know we'll be done with the interview, <laughs> oh, and he'll be like, dude, do you? Yeah, ever come on, come on, man. What you got, Steve? So. Uh, <laughs> let me ask you this: uh, How do you get away with doing uh, hot breath? You know, as as the Joel Byers thing all by yourself. I mean, wasn't it? You didn't get somebody like court ordered to have you have some Puerto Rican sit next to you? Oh <laughs> my gosh! I want to know if you how you got away with it. I'm jealous. I it's so much work. It's it's just I'm yeah I I've gone through stages with people. In terms of working with them, you know, I've worked with, um, I'd worked with an audio engineer. I tried working with a video guy. Yeah. It just all came down to inconsistency and like people just ended up not being reliable. You know, that's, that's really what it boiled down to. So I do, I do want to have a team and I, I'm excited when that happens, but it just, it just hasn't been time yet. So it's still just been a one man band. So, if you see me, if you see any of the interviews on YouTube or you see them, like hear them on iTunes or Spotify, it's pretty much just, it's pretty much me is how it, how it's boiled down to, but it's, it's a lot of work, but it's a, it's a labor of love. And that's really, I'm telling you, man, when like, when Steve reached out to me that first time, it really, it was kind of like the Bo Burnham moment where I'm like, oh, I'm on to something. If someone feels compelled enough to reach out and say how they feel about the show then it's worth the you know 10 hours it took to create that hour-long podcast yeah. yeah you do know that by you giving him all these props uh you're gonna get a bill from him in a little bit this guy <laughs> wants some of the sponsorship money or no, something no, no. He's he like, I'm rocking, dude. I got the socks, bro. So he don't. Yo, know. exactly. I'm saying I got the socks <laughs> in there. You don't know. I know what's up. So he, you know, he ain't got. He don't. He don't know nothing, man. He, he doesn't know. know. He's he's not and, in the culture yet. Nah, yeah, nah, nah. You know, if if he got if he, if he stole a pair of your socks, the next time, nah. <laughs> hey Joel, can Come you send me, send me a pair of your underwear, Joel? No, no. Nah, nah. get off. I don't know. Get off. No, but that's that's good, man. I, when you when did you first? What? Okay, here's a question. I got one. Yeah. Got, there we go. Well, let's pause. What are, <laughs> shut up. Shut up. <laughs> He's going to forget. Don't cut him Trust. off. <laughs> Trust. Oh, my God. <laughs> so, okay, when did you first uh, decide, you know what, I want to I pursue after comedy? Like, what? when did you say, okay, this is what I want to do? Because a lot of the guys that we talk to, some of them are just doing like they're just saying I don't know I, they, they're really they don't know yet whether or not they're gonna you know they should pursue a, a career in comedy or whether they you know that that's what they want to do so this like they're they're very back and forth on their decision and so I wanted to know what when was that moment that point where you're like you know what 
I want to I want to do comedy. Good question, Steve. That one question outranks all of Dennis's Woo! questions. <laughs> <laughs> he's gonna want your underwear and <laughs> he's gonna want a tattoo <laughs> you know it you know it that's that's yeah i mean that's a really important moment for all comics that like what what is that moment to actually start pursuing it and mine came senior year of college it was second semester senior year of college and I was about to graduate with a business degree and I was like, do I really want to even do that? Mm. And after like I gave it some thought, I was like, well, I mean, you have nothing to lose. You know, Sally Mae has everything else. So might as well just try it. I did an open mic. And then as soon as I did that open mic, it was almost, it was kind of like, um, I took the blinders off or I took the blue pill or something. All of a sudden the world was just clear. And I was like, Oh, this is what I was born to do. It was always in the back of my mind of like, I would like to do comedy, but it's just not realistic. Yeah. As soon as I did it, I was like, yes, this is it. And then it was like another six or seven years before I actually made it my full-time job, though. So, you know, it's deciding to pursue it. Okay, congratulations. Now you're living at open mics for <laughs> X amount of years until yeah. you can get enough bookings to then make it your full-time job. Mm-hmm. Jumping so, from that to full time is a that's gotta, a big deal too. I need to back up. Yeah. Did I understand it right that uh, you Joel Byers uh, took some type of uh, comedy Viagra? Is that what you said? This guy. Comedy Viagra. You said something about you took some blue pill. Uh, oh. Uh, Dennis like, was so excited uh, about that joke. He he heard me say blue pill and he's like, oh, I'm gonna hold on to that. And when he shuts up, I'm going to say this Viagra joke, and we're going to kill him. <laughs> now you know what I got to deal with. I'm sorry. I'm in, I'm in a bit of a roasting mood. I was just editing uh, Rich Voss's episode, Yeah. and he is like the roast master. Wait, and I saw those clips that you posted up there that he roasted those guys in the, in the, uh, at the interview with, um, who was it? Oh, uh, at um, Nikki Glazer's show. Oh, my gosh. He Dude. roasted. Those guys. He's he's a savage. He's a savage. So like, he he was he you know he's been doing like thirty five years, and he came up with like Patrice and Colin Quinn and like just just like the OGs of the comedy world. So I kind of had to stay on my toes around him because at any moment you know he he would be like, oh Joel, by the way, did you get my number? And I'd be like, oh no, and he'd be like, all right, good, and he just like walks away. You know, he would do stuff like that. <laughs> but he was always looking to like pull the rug out from underneath you. So after editing it, that like I was editing it like an hour ago. So now I'm like in that roasting mode. So don't take it personally, Dennis. No, no. Uh, the the good news Please is roast the good news is uh, unless I go back and watch or listen to this episode of uh, the Pops and the Rican show, I'm going to have forgot. Cool. So, Good to know. That's, that's right. Just don't forget you booked me in November. Please right. don't forget that date. <laughs> Steve won't let me forget that. Nah, nah, nah. He's like, oh, we got to have no, him come through the club because he's going he's to bring my underwear to me. This guy. Like, why? Why? I don't know. I don't know. I'm excited. Okay, so 
uh, I, I do want to make sure uh, that we're doing all right on time because I know you you have another yeah. uh, response. Oh, we're good. Yeah, yeah, yeah we're good right now. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So uh, when when it comes to uh, what you you find funny, uh, where do you where do you glean your material from mo- most often? Is it when you're just out and about and you're paying attention? Or are you sitting down and coming up? Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna lay out with uh, a premise, and then I'm gonna go through a whole process of you know squeezing the life out of the premise and you know strangling it to death, and then trying to revive it. So where how do you go about uh, finding and grabbing a hold of material? Well, I'm I always open up myself to receive the material. Like out in my everyday life, I'm not necessarily going out and talking to someone and trying to look at every word and like, is that a joke? Is that a joke? Is that a joke? Like I I don't get that kind of compulsive about it, but I do keep my mind open to the opportunity for a joke to approach me or to be mindful of funny moments. Or if I say something in conversation, that's funny, just think about, okay, what did I say? Was it how I said it? Or was it just the timing of the moment? Could that be on stage? Like I will go through that checklist and if it's something I think is noteworthy, I'll text it to myself. So that's usually how the ideas will start, is it's from conversation or just my everyday life. Like if I ha- when, I, when I had a job as a dishwasher, I wrote jokes about being a dishwasher. I am I, married with a dog. I have jokes about being married with a dog. I mean, my number one filter is just to make it personal, and I want to make sure... I'm creating material that only I could say. I don't want to create a bit that someone in Canada could repeat it and it still be just as funny. I want to make sure I'm creating material that is really uniquely mine. And that's easier said than done. And it's a process that I am still continuing to kind of cultivate. But I have found in all the interviews I've done and all my connections with people at shows is they always come up after about the personal things and like, Oh, that reminds me of my aunt or yeah, my wife replaced me with our dog too. It's like, <laughs> those are the things that people connect with. So that's, that that's really where my focus is, is like what's personal and how can we make it funny? So, What's Joel Byers do when he's not doing uh, hot breath and when he's not doing comedy shows? What's uh, what's life like in in, uh, uh, in your world when you're, when you're not on stage, man? Um, you mean like my civilian life? Is that <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm fortunate that like stand up comedy is my full time job, but if I'm not doing comedy, it's pretty much like family. It's like family and comedy, and it's become more of a balance, you know, in terms of um, I'm not booked this I'm not booked this weekend, so I know I'll be with my wife more. So I've been out pretty much every night this week out at sh- out at shows. Mm-hmm. If I'm booked on the weekends, I may stay in a night or two during the week to get that balance. You know, it's I mean, it's a healthy balance. But when I first started, it's literally. I lived on stage. It was just me, uh, like out on the grind, living in a studio apartment. 
I was at a show every single night of the week. And if I wasn't performing, I was at least watching a headliner at a club. And it's since evolved into like the balance between family and comedy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think if you can explain just a little bit, like maybe expound on the transition from going from just going to, you know, open mics and getting on stage and working to full time. Because mm-hmm. I know that jump from, from that to that, it, everybody thinks that it's a quick jump. Oh, I'm just going to jump in it. But there has there had to have been some planning in between to get to that place. So it's like, did you save up for like seven months? You know, did you, you know, like what was it that uh, that allowed you to say, you know what, now I'm ready to go full time? Yeah, that's such a pivotal moment. And actually, I just interviewed an Atlanta comic named Sam Gordon, who she's been doing it five years and she's at this tipping point on when to jump and when not. So that w- that's a really good interview for people to want to like dive headfirst into, okay, I've been doing this. I'm producing some shows. When do I make it my job? And for me personally, it was, it was a gradual process. So I saved up. I worked at Enterprise Rent-A-Car, saved up money, and then gradually, and by saved up money, like you said, a game plan, I made it my goal to save $10,000. And I was like, okay, if I can save $10,000 at this job, then it's worth the risk for me to quit the job. Mm-hmm. Now, I didn't go full-time comedy right after quitting Enterprise. I then like became like a dishwasher um, and like a hotel mini bar attendant. So I gradually worked my way into comedy, taking less money over time, but these jobs with less money gave me more time to pursue comedy. I know some people have just jumped head first and they're like, I'll figure it out. Or, you know, Jeremiah Watkins just like moved to LA and he's like, I'll figure it out. So Everybody has a different process. Mine was definitely the more strategic of, okay, let me save money and then slowly eat away at that money until I'm now like a full-time comedian. It's a we've process, a, though. Yeah. We've got a yeah. friend, uh, Jerry Goble, comedian here in the Indianapolis area. And it's funny because in his, he, he talks with younger comics all the time, and he always says... Uh, you know, if you need to have a side hustle uh, so you, you, you can pay your rent and you can pay your gas bill to get to, to and from your gigs, he said uh, the thing he looked at was uh, he wanted to find jobs that he didn't care about, he wasn't in love with, because he didn't want to get so much enamored with them so that he felt like, oh, I really can't afford to let this job go. So he was doing jobs that he's like, if if he goes into the boss and says, "Hey, I need off this weekend because I got a gig in Nashville," and, he, and the boss is like, "No, you have to work." He's like, "Well, see ya." And you mm-hmm. know, no. he's, his focus was, "I'm going to do something to support my comedy habit." You know. Yeah, and it's valuable. Um, a comic, I mean, uh, Jared Harris on the podcast talked about how important it is to have some sort of other income. It's not not necessarily you're going to a cubicle every day. Maybe you're selling stuff on eBay or you're doing something to not put all that pressure on your comedy, you know? So, because 
if you if you're like, oh, I need this gig or else you're going to if you start to squeeze it, then you're going to start to suffocate it. And then that's when you stop getting the opportunities. So I highly recommend comics have more than one stream of income. Even having like five small streams add up to like a big overall income. Not big. I mean, a livable income. Yes. So definitely, if you put too much pressure on, I got to make comedy work or else, then a lot of times it suffocates it and then the opportunities aren't available. It's weird how that relationship works, but I have found that the more I tried to force it and the more I just tried, this has got to be it, the less I got. But as I've started to let go, that's really when everything has started to pour in, when I was just like, all right, let go. And then the opportunities started coming to me. Mm-hmm. You just got to trust. I know uh, when you think about it, you look at the, all of the, uh, you know, the big stars that are on, in the movies or whatever now, and you go back and you talk or you listen to interviews with them, and they, they all talk about, okay, when I decided that I was going to go into acting, mm-hmm. you know, I was waiting on tables. I was, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, I was washing dishes, you know, and, and so if, if the stars of the movies and TV, if they're doing that, why do comics think that for, there's some some magical uh, thing that's going to happen where they just one day they go, okay, I was working in, as an insurance salesman, now I'm doing comedy. You know, it it is a process. You've got to find uh, find that way to. Uh, build the business side of comedy so that you can afford mm-hmm. to step away from the uh, from the connection uh, to that daily job so that you can change your daily grind from going into an office to your daily grind of uh, mastering the, the craft of comedy. Yeah, and give it some thought when you do make that that decision is I even I made like a pro and con list. So before I quit that job that was giving me like the primary income, I made like a list of the pros and cons of like, okay, what is the best case scenario? What is the worst case scenario? Am I willing to live with the worst case scenario? And the pros far outweighed the cons. And it's something in your head. You're like, yeah, I'll just do it. But when you actually write it down, it, it, it kind of, it gets it, out of your head and it gets you above it so it kind of gives you a new vantage point of okay here's actually what the reality of what i'm thinking is and this is what's at stake are you willing to do that and after making it really became clear when i made that pro con list and i was like oh yeah literally like right after i did it i was like oh yeah this is exactly this is exactly the right decision but it took me making that pro and con list to really take that step with confidence to know that, okay, you're out in an open mic at 2 a.m. on a Thursday, but it's worth it because I've made this like goal or I've I have a reason for doing this. Yeah. You got anything good. else? You got anything else? I'm over here? good. Okay, well, I, this is great. This is great. Nice. <laughs> well, Joel, I want to thank you for taking some time uh, to sit down and hang out with us. Uh, yeah. It, it, it means a whole lot more that you took time to hang out and talk to me because I know you're a super fan over here. You know, you already had some 
relationship this going. Guy. Oh, we already love Steve. Steve. So, uh, Such a hater. So man. thanks for taking uh, <laughs> time and letting, letting an old part like me sit in and actually have part of the conversation. But... Uh, <laughs> Well, you made this happen. So you you reached out and asked about doing the show, and um, you booked me at Gutty's on November twenty third and twenty fourth. So you're you're important too, Dennis. You're important too. Yeah, and that's because because uh, Steve uh, keeps saying if you don't work, then you don't get fed. You don't eat. And uh, don't like, work, you yeah. don't eat. <laughs> True. Closed yeah. mouths don't get fed. And I should say that was November twenty second and twenty third. I said the twenty yeah. third and twenty fourth. Yeah. Yeah. That's going to be exciting, man. I can't wait just to have you on the show. It's going to be great to, to have you on and really appreciate that you're going to roll out, man. It's going to be fun. I'm very excited, yeah. Well, do you, you, you have any uh, parting words of wisdom, <laughs> some, some gold, <laughs> wisdom that you want to share with us before we wrap this show up? Do your show right. <laughs> I think um, we've talked a lot of comedy game. In this episode, if if your listeners want to learn more, Hot Breath Podcast. I mean, that's really it's literally like Steve said, it's a become a comedy mastery platform. We have a website to make it even easier. I I realize I want to like make this for comics by comics, and I'm really make building it as like kind of a community now. And any topic you want to know, you can literally go to hotbreathpodcast.com, and there's a search feature at the top you can type in any comedian you think that you'd be interested to hear your interview with or just any topic if it's writing or if it's business it's you can just search it and then it'll pull up all the relevant episodes and blog posts about that specific topic if you want to work with me directly you can message me through hot breath podcast website or joelbyerscomedy.com is my personal website that has like my performance schedule and like booking information and just more about me and the comedy services i mentioned i do like skype sessions with comics and other people so just if you want to get at me directly joelbyerscomedy.com or um the podcast is hotbreathpodcast.com which is of course also on itunes and spotify and youtube where we do video as yeah. well so yeah. wherever you find it just let's hang out that's what's up. And so uh, when you get on, you're uh, checking out the uh, Hot Breath, any of the podcast videos, or whatever. Just look over in the corner because Steve will be sitting over there. This guy. <laughs> <laughs> Yay! Okay. Hey, it's important. That's that's how this grows, though. Like, I'm not even kidding. It's literally people like Steve that have built this into what it is. Because most people that reach out to me are like, oh, my, my comic friend told me about this show at an open mic. Or he posted the episode on his page, and I saw it, and now I've gone down this whole wormhole. It's my favorite is when people reach out and say they listen to one, and then they went like this entire wormhole, and they're like, "I'm addicted." So it, it that's I mean, it really is. I know I think Dennis is just jealous because he didn't find it first, but it really <laughs> is the people like Steve who have really built this into like a reputable podcast. So don't let Dennis deter you keep going steve we need you that's what's up. Uh, and i will say this uh, in all sincerity uh <laughs> i try to be a, a perpetual student i know i'm old but you can still teach an old dog new tricks from time to time so i listen to uh hot breath uh, quite often and uh, yeah. in fact I, I spent uh, 
literally I spent uh, seven hours. I had to drive over to uh, to Des Moines uh, for an event, and so as I was driving uh, across Illinois, I was like, I got nothing else to do. Let me learn something from the wisdom of Joel Byers. Oh my gosh! So, wow, that's I, about to bring a tear to my eye. Oh man. <laughs> Six about six hours, uh, six and a half hours of that drive, uh, listening to Hot Breath episodes. Oh my gosh, that's incredible! Thanks for sharing that. Yeah, like it's it's number one. The first thing I say, especially when I'm talking to other comics, I'm always like, if you want to know anything about comedy, you jump on Hot Breath. It's gonna get you everything that you need as far as like understanding the every and that's real. That's just real, hands down. Uh -huh. Do whatever Dennis is talking about. What I'm saying is, I know that being a comic and sitting in your car going, where am I going to go? What I don't know what's going on. I don't know who to talk to. And then you find it and you're like, everybody in this and every single episode is just like me. I'm telling you, when you find your place and you find your, it's 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 amazing. So I appreciate your show and I appreciate everybody else that's going to jump on. Trust that we'll do uh, our best to, to network. Big time. Well, I appreciate you guys having me on here. I'm excited that you're starting a podcast because like kind of how we started this with the value it's added to my own career you guys not only being comedians but also comedy club owners like a lot of comedy clubs aren't taking advantage of this platform and i think you guys have a real advantage if you just stay consistent all if i had one recommendation it's stay consistent if you say you're posting at monday at 8 a.m Make sure you're posting every single Monday at 8 a.m. Or if it's every other week, whatever whatever schedule you decide, make sure you're consistent with it and you're transparent with the audience that if you're going to miss a week, just let the audience know. Don't leave them blind. People, I'm telling you, man, I've, I've missed a week and people reached out to me like, yo, what what happened? Where, where's the episode? I even, it goes, the... Your listeners care so much. It's like literally like a personal relationship. Like, I recently posted, I posted a um, a Mark Norman episode, and I was like, oh, if they like people like that one, let me post this old Joe List episode I did, and I didn't specifically say it was an old episode, and a listener tweeted me and was like. Hey, we don't care if you post old episodes. Just let us know that it's an old episode. So, like, <laughs> I'm dead serious. They take people care that much, and if you care that much early on, you're gonna create that habit to where it just becomes part of the DNA of the show. So, be consistent and transparent. Oh, thank you, man. Well, I appreciate that. We, we appreciate that advice, and yeah. uh, and I will throw this out uh, if you if you get a chance. Uh, on the next, I don't know, the next 20 uh, Hot Breath episodes, if you could mention, uh, hey, I was on the Pops and the Recon show. Of course. Scout the Pops and the Recon show, because that Pops, man, that guy. <laughs> I'll definitely be shouting out Gutties, too, because I'll be up there. I'll promote the show. Yeah, man. We, we appreciate it, man. Well, yeah, we can hurry up because uh, Depends over here is about to piss his pants. Uh, I feel you. He's getting a little squirmish. It's yeah, cool. You know, like, come on, man. Good news is uh, we're recording uh, <laughs> in my house. So <laughs> so if I, you know. I got to go. Yeah, I get it. Right, right. That's why it's a leather couch so nothing will stain. Yeah. <laughs> <All right. laughs> anyway.
Joel, thanks for taking some time with us. We appreciate it, and we, we, we do uh, appreciate the effort and all that you do with Hot Breath. Yeah. It, it is, uh, it's enjoyable and an education for both of us, and I know Steve has given you, you know, all of the smoke up your skirt and all that, so uh, I, I want to be honest and say we appreciate what you do. Yeah. Keep up the great work, and uh, we're looking forward to having you roll through Gutty's Comedy Club. Um uh, because it's that's that's Steve's dream. He's had that dream for a long time. When Steve and I first met, he was telling me about it, and so finally, uh, he's seeing it come to uh, to reality, and we're excited about it. And so we're really thrilled that you're going to roll through at the at the early parts of the life of a club that's going to be here for centuries to come. We're going to grow together. It's going to be great. So young punks like this can go on forever. <laughs> excited. That's a, that's the show. And that pretty much says everything. So uh, this has been the Pops and the Reekin Show. Pops and the Reekin Show. And uh, <laughs> I'm still Pops. And I'm the Reekin. And so. <laughs> Deuces. Pops and the Reekin. Pops and the Look at this! 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 Look at this!